Hi, my name is Lindsay and I'm a member here at Restored Church. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. We believe that church is not an event, but a family you belong to. So we would love to offer the opportunity to connect with you. I'd love to be saying this in person, but circumstances have us doing otherwise. So if you'd like to learn more about our church or we can help you in any way, please visit our website, www.RestoredTemecula.Church. And then you can just click on contact there. We also have a mobile app with resources, including the Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app at Apple and Android app stores. With that said, thanks so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the message. <laughs> um, hey guys, I have the privilege of introducing you to my brother, um, someone I um, dearly love. Um, this is my dude, guys. Like, I go to him when I'm stressed out. I go to him when I'm happy. Um, we live life with one another. Um, we're in a group where we, um, it's called DNA. Some of you guys are familiar with it. Uh, we literally, man, we just talk and about the goodness of Jesus and encourage each other. And I'm honored to introduce this guy because honestly, he is an encourager and he's going to encourage us today. But we are a family, guys. And what we like to do here at Restored is we like to literally just give a huge round of applause before Mikey does even anything because we are centered around the gospel and we know we want to actually love on this dude. So before he comes up, let's just love on this guy, Mikey. I call him Mikey. Um, you know him as Mike Harrelson, um, but his wife knows him far more, and I want to invite her up, and she's going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, what a sweet moment, Lord. Thank you for uh, my husband, Lord. Thank you for um, gifting him with the ability to teach, um, explain, communicate clearly, Lord. Thank you that you've touched his life in a very personal way, God, um, and that he gets to take that and um, share that with us, God. So I just pray this morning, um, as Jason said, just that he would enjoy you this morning, God. Thank you that he gets this opportunity, and I just pray your presence would um, just enable him to just love this moment right now, God, that he gets um, just to share the goodness of who you are. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his giftedness and um, just who he is. Thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 On? Oh, there we go. Now I can hear it. Um, yeah. This is a beautiful moment. Thank you, Dorian, for that introduction. You made me tear up. I was trying not to do that. But um, yeah, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Mike, I'm married to Marla, we have four beautiful kids. We've been journeying with this church for about three years now, and um, I'm honored to be able to share God's word with you guys this morning. Um, so last week, after Andrea's message, which it was awesome, thank you so much for sharing it with us, um, Herrick and I were talking, and Herrick's already heard the message, but uh, he was like, yeah, yours is different than the rest of the, 
the different messages in the summer of Psalms, and I was like, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. And um, what I think sort of makes it different, not any better in any means, it's all of them been amazing, but I think it's different in the way that there's, we've talked through a lot of different things, like some, like some moments where you're like, they actually said that in the Bible? And then praising God in the midst of hard times and trusting him when things seem to be going really wrong. And at times, I think for some of us, those ideas can be hard to grasp onto. You're like, I want to be able to praise him, but I don't know how to right now. Or I want to trust him, but this seems way too hard to trust him in. And so um, we're going to be going through Psalm 1 today. And I feel like Psalm 1 is sort of like a doorway. It's the intro to the Psalms, for one. But I feel like it's a doorway into um, quite possibly learning to be able to praise him in those times, learning to be able to trust him in those times. And um, I'm excited to share it with you guys. So let me get my notes up here. All right. So I get, I'm going to need your participation here for a second. I needed to fill in the blank for me. When I grow up, I want to be... Anyone? What's that? Awesome. Okay, awesome. Anything else? Come on. I know, I know you guys, when you're a kid, you must have had something that you're like, I want to be this. Rock star. Okay. Thank you, Kylo. Thank you for being honest. Anyone else? Basketball player. Okay. What was that? Astronaut. All right, cool. Man. So for me, I wanted to be a firefighter. And then I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. And then I was lost and I had no clue what I wanted to be, but I'm pretty sure I wanted to be Jim Morrison at that point. <laughs> and then I met Jesus and I wanted to do great things for him. And then I got married and I'm pretty sure I wanted the American dream without knowing it at that point, whatever that is. Uh, my girls... All three of them wanted to be princesses. And then I heard makeup artist, hairstylist, and then a hero, heard superhero. My boy Levi over here, he's sitting right there, he's getting all bashful now. Um, the first thing I remember him saying he wanted to be was a trash truck guy. Yeah. I mean, he'd be out there every single week. The trash trucks are coming, he'd be waiting for them. He'd want to watch them do its thing. Um, then you want to be a monster truck guy, which who doesn't want to, I mean, that looks like fun. Um, then you want to be Mando. And then you wanted to be Spider-Man, and then you want to be Mando. And I think right now he wants to be a shark guy. <laughs> yeah, whatever shark guy is. Um, for some of you in the room, your parents might have wanted you to be something. Like uh, maybe a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Or to carry on the family business into the next generation. Um, I think it's fair to say that probably everyone in the room has either been asked that question or asked that question, or maybe both. And it appears, appears that our society has this obsession of, with the what we will be or our vocation. But when we look at Psalm 1, God's concern is way more for our formation than our occupation. So the who we are becoming instead of the what we'll be. And have no doubt about it. Like, the battle for the type of person we're becoming, its outcomes, the outcome of it, has implications for now and for eternity. So that's what we're going to talk through this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we get to be here in your name and no other name. 
that this is just such a privilege to be able to share your word with these beautiful people, um, the love that you've given me for them. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would speak this morning, that you would touch hearts and um, that you would change hearts, Lord. That ultimately you'd be uh, just high and lifted up and we'd be able to look at you and say you're amazing because you are. So thank you. Help me to get out of the way and um, be less occupied with myself, more occupied with what you're doing here. And so uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 1, let's read it. Uh, The CSB says how happy, but I'm going to replace happy with blessed. There's plenty of other translations that say blessed. So how blessed is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. It was the summer of 1999, I had just graduated from high school, and I was going to Florida on a swimming scholarship. I just qualified for Olympic trials in a couple different events, and to say the least, I was pretty pumped. Um, See, just a year before, um, at that same time, I was having a surgery on my right shoulder, and I didn't know what the year ahead would look like. But now I was at the top of my game after that surgery, and I was going off to school. So late uh, late August came around, and I headed to Florida, and um, I was pumped. I had a new coach, had a new team, I had tons of competition. Within on my team, which was huge because I spent most of my life swimming by myself, and now I had people to compete against, so it was, I'm like, it's going to push me to the next level. I was hyper-focused on going to Olympic trials and ultimately making the Olympics at that point. And I was also focused on not getting caught up in the college experience. Um, so, school year started off, and about two weeks in, It was my birthday, and there was also a hurricane bearing down on the place that I lived at the time. And so apparently over in Florida, when you're in college, they have hurricane parties. So before the hurricane gets there, everyone just rages for a day or so because there's nothing else to do. Um, Everyone else is boarding up, and the college kids are just having a blast. Um, And it was my birthday, so I was like, well, why not? So I went and sort of went and got drunk that day and had, you know, fun. Um, and at the same time, I gave in to the one thing I said I wasn't going to give in to. So we kept on going through. The, the rest of the team, they were, that was pretty much the daily experience for the rest of the team. Um, they'd go out and party, train, go to school, over and over again. And for me, I, I like didn't want to get caught up in it. Every once in a while, though, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to hang out with you guys. I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, it started happening more and more and more. So fast forward to December with Christmas break. And for, um, for many people, Christmas break was a lot of fun because you got to go home. For us, though, we got to stay and train. 
And um, I'm, is there any football, high school football players in the room that were in high school, played football or whatnot? Okay, a couple. Um, they have hell week in high school, right? Well, we always had hell holidays. Every holiday was like hell because we'd be working out twice a day, maybe three times a day, and that's how it was. Um, but during that training session, um, I started noticing that my left shoulder was giving me issues. And I flew home right away when it got scans, and sure enough, what happened to my right shoulder a year and a half before was now happening to my left shoulder. And so I went back after the holiday, and I no longer got to train with the team. I had to train by myself. And I also, the one thing I was actually at school for, I didn't get to work towards anymore because Olympic trials was off the table now because I was injured. And um, it stunk. I mean, I was sort of crushed. And I, I was left with this thing of, what do I do? What do I do now? Because, to be honest, I mean, youth don't pay attention to what I'm saying right now. But um, I wasn't at school to go to school. I was at school to train and go to the Olympics. I didn't care about school that much, um, which was a mistake, but it's the truth. So... I started to allow all the other voices around me to influence me, and I dove in headfirst into that, that whole scene, the whole party scene, the college experience. Um, you know, the school year went on, it was the end of the year, and the coaching staff started pulling each person in individually. And I started seeing people that were on scholarship with me, one by one, not be offered money for the next year. They're like, nope, we don't want you here next year. Nope, we don't want you here next year. Other people that were just there, that sort of walked on, we don't want you to come back next year. And then I went in and I thought for sure, well, I'm definitely not coming back because I'm not swimming. And I just got sucked into all this stuff as well. And um, I went in and they said, we want you back next year. Go home and get healthy. I was like, oh, sweet. So I went home and I did that. Had surgery and came back and I was like, okay, Came back a couple weeks early, actually. Got in the pool. I'd been in the pool back here in California beforehand. But I got in the pool and I started knocking out like workouts. Like the staff was just like, are you kidding me? It's like I hadn't missed a beat. It was amazing. But then everyone started coming in. The whole team started coming in at that point. And um, everyone's like, hey, we want to go out and party and have a good time. And I'm like, all right, let's just do one big one and get it out of our system. We'll just keep on going from there. And... So we did. What happened was, is a day later, I got called into the office, our coach's office, and they said, we have a choice for you. Here's your choice. You can, we can't take away your scholarship, but you can forfeit it. And we won't say anything to anyone about it. Or you can stay, have your scholarship, and whenever anyone asks, we're gonna tell them exactly what happened. And so I was like, well, that's not much of a choice because I wanted to save my skin, so forfeited my scholarship, and I went away. See, I'd gone from walking with those casually partaking to standing with them in the cause to eventually sitting and establishing my place and influencing others to sit with me. I didn't fault the coaching staff at all. Like, I was slated to be team captain that year, and um, I was too big of a risk. Like, my influence was too far-reaching on that team, and they're like, we don't want this. And so they got rid of me. And that, I totally get it. The bummer is, though, is that there's other people that were just starting their time there. And they, had, they were asked to make the same decision as I did. And my influence on those people actually was super destructive. And I didn't really care at the time. 
I was more concerned with myself than I was with anyone else. See, for, for me, this progression was a slippery slope, honestly. Like, it didn't stop then. I came back to California, and I was still caught up in all kinds of shenanigans until one day I met Jesus, and things really changed at that point. But why do I tell you guys this story? Like, honestly, <laughs> it's not to glorify my mistakes whatsoever. Um, I'd actually be all right with not telling everyone this story because it's pretty shameful overall. It's not a shining moment for me. But I think it illustrates two principles. The first one being that there's a progression into wicked ways. Corey Russell says, whatever you're walking casually in today, you'll be sitting in agreement with tomorrow. Whatever you're walking casually in today, you'll be sitting in agreement with tomorrow. Number two is, whatever we are allowing to influence us is forming who we are becoming. Uh, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. But before we get into that, I think it might be helpful to define who the wicked is. Because if you're anything like me, you're like, it's all those other people, it's not me. One commentator says, the wicked of Psalm 1 are those who seek independence from God, those who have only a human or earthly perspective on life, those who live according to the world's standards and not God's. So this might look like me lying to save my skin, or cheating on a test to get a good grade, or yelling at my kids because I'm frustrated with them, or being a jerk to Marla because I didn't like what she said, instead of actually going to her and being like, hey, that hurt, let's work through this thing. And we actually see a moment in Genesis as well where this sort of takes place. You guys probably remember back, there's uh, you know, two trees, the tree of life, symbolizing God's intention to provide for us and for us to depend, to depend on him and to trust him, and the, tr the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, where we're trusting our own ways and our own methods. And you know how it, were, it, it panned out. Adam and Eve were influenced by the serpent, they ate of the fruit, and ultimately, we live in the reality of that now. So like I said, there's a progression to this, uh, to wicked, into wickedness. And you saw it from my story. Um, see, I was walking in the advice of the wicked, and then I was standing in the pathway or the mode of life of sinners, and ultimately sitting or dwelling in the company of mockers. It was, a, it was like a series of small decisions that ultimately led to a destructive outcome. Isn't that how it sort of works? Like we cheat, or we lie, we fib on our taxes, we uh, overindulge in food and drink, and then we think, oh, we rationalize it. Oh, that's no big deal. It was just one time, no big deal. And then, without thinking about it, we're doing it. It's just part of what we're doing. Ultimately, we're sitting there inviting other people into joining in it with us. And then our lives are indistinguishable from the people that we're around. So I have a question for you guys. What seemingly small compromises have you made that could lead to bigger ones if they are allowed to continue? So for me, how it sort of took place was there was people that were influencing me. 
that were around me. And the second point that I'm talking about, it's sort of implicit. It's not like explicit when you look at the scripture, but it's implicit. And it was through the influence of the wicked that the progression started to happen. So, you know, when we look at influence, there's like a whole industry made off of it, right? They're actually called influencers. You know, it's a big thing these days. Um, and, you know, their whole job is to be like, hey, this product is so amazing, and if you have it, your life will be amazing too. Um, I, it's, it's crazy, because you think about it, like, it's all around us, and it's like a multi-billion dollar industry. Like, man, it's crazy. Um, it was probably a couple months ago. I was at work, and I was talking with a couple guys at work, and uh, we were talking about the Formula One race that had just happened a couple days ago. Uh, the day before, actually. And we're going through the winner, the losers, the surprises, the drama that unfolded in the race and all that stuff. And um, the other guy that was standing with us, he, he, didn't, he wasn't into the Formula One whatsoever. But I, I walked away, came back the next week, and he was like, dude, you'll never guess what happened. I'm like, what? He's like, I pulled up my phone, and I was looking at Facebook that night that you were in the branch last, and all of a sudden, it was all this stuff about the Formula One race. And I'm like, whoa. That's nuts. And it was all these suggestions. Hey, you might be more interested in this right here. I'm more interested in that. And has that happened to you guys before? Yeah, I mean, even deodorant. You talk about deodorant, it shows up in your Instagram feed. It's sort of ridiculous. But here's the thing is, what's that? Here's the thing is, um, wherever we're looking, something is grabbing, is seeking to grab our attention and to influence us. It doesn't matter if it's commercials, print ad, you name it. A lot of it's innocent, but not all of it, really, at the end of the day. And if we look at our lives, we realize that influence is super powerful. It's super powerful. Like, why do we do what we do? It's because we're allowing people in media or whatever, for good or for bad, to influence us. It could be our parents, our teachers, our friends, our children, um, the media, our own desires. All the different influences, either good or bad, are forming the way we think, what we believe, ultimately how we act and live our lives. And here's the scary part is, one of the biggest influencers right now are algorithms. Like computer programmed algorithms that are looking to at everything we do as we scroll and we just pause for a second or we click on something or we say something, computers are looking to form us, essentially. That's terrifying when I think about it. Here's another question for you guys. What voices are you allowing to form or shape the person you are becoming? So up to this point, this could be sort of a downer for a lot of you guys. But um, here's the good news. Just as wickedness can be contagious, so is righteousness. So we're going to talk about the blessed person here. Uh, verse 2 says, instead, this is speaking about the blessed person, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Um, if you guys think back to a couple months ago when we were going through the Beatitudes, um, blessed was defined as transcendently happy. So... Regardless of our circumstances, there's a joy, there's a happiness that overarches all of that. So when this psalm is talking about the blessed person, 
and how the blessed person delights in the Lord's instruction. The word for instruction here could be translated as Torah or law. And so for an Israelite, they might be thinking of a couple different things. It could be the Ten Commandments. It could be the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, But most commentators agree that it's the sum of the whole Hebrew Bible. Um, So uh, the whole Old Testament as we know it. And if you look at the end of the gospel according to Luke, there's a moment where Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with two disciples. And he says that the whole, the, the Torah, the prophets and the writings or the Hebrew Bible all points to him. So when we're thinking about this, I think it'd probably be healthy to think of it as the whole Old Testament that they're talking about right here. But the question is, what does it mean to delight in God's word and why is the psalmist instructing us to delight in it? Um, It's probably about five years ago. Uh, I had a guy that was doing inside sales for me at the time and I was taking him out. He wanted to turn into an outside sales guy. So I was like, all right, let's go on the road. So we got in the car and um, I plugged in my phone. And of course, the last podcast I was listening to popped up on the screen and started playing. And I don't remember what it was, but it was something about Jesus. We'll say that. And so I just hit pause and we went on our way and we started talking about everything the customers were going to see, our goals that we had, all that stuff. And then we got to lunch. And at lunch, he's like, yeah, my mom goes to church. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Right on. And I said, what about you? He's like, no, I went when I was a kid and I was sort of over it. Like it was boring and I didn't really enjoy it. It's like, oh, that's unfortunate. And he's like, yeah, and plus the Bible's just a a book of rules. I was like, whoa, okay. I said, well, actually, I don't see the Bible as a book of just rules. I see it as a love story. He's like, oh, what do you mean? I said, look, God, we have these, all these stories that are talking about God's love for us, how he's pursuing his people, and ultimately how there was something that separated his people from him, and then he sent his son to reunite us forever. It says a love story. And he's like, wow, I never really thought about that. But as I was thinking about this portion right here of delighting in the Lord's instruction, I realized how we read scriptures, the scriptures influence how we receive them. So I've read the Bible in multiple different ways. Um, I've read it as a book of devotion, like Lord bless me for this day. Um, But the bummer with that is it lacks context and it lacks depth. I've read it as a book of doctrine. So it's, you know, the truths, but it's lacking the big picture at the end of the day. But the way that has really actually been the most beneficial, I think, for me, has been reading as a divine drama, the gospel being the the drama of the whole story, everything. And it's from beginning to end, his desire to be close to us, how he is pursuing us, how Jesus came to rescue his bride, how he's restoring all things. So when the psalmist is calling us to live in light, the psalmist is calling us to live in light of the grand story. And here's the thing is the story's not over yet beautiful. We get to delight in him for his faithfulness by remembering all that he's already done. 
You could think of Adam and Eve, even as they did sin against God. He killed an animal and clothed them and sent them on their way because he knew that it was better for them to be there outside of the garden than it was to be inside the garden. Abraham and Sarah, in their old age, a child. But beyond that, we live in light of Abraham's legacy right now. Jesus, well, we're all here because of Jesus, right? That's the reason why. If, otherwise, it'd just be like a social club on a Sunday morning. That'd be sort of strange, you know? But over and over again, we see God pursuing us. Here's the thing. If you and I are not living in the true biblical story, then chances are we're living in some other story. If we're, if we're delighting in the biblical story, then we're delighting in him. But for me, the question was, well, that's great, Mike. How do I delight in the story? Because I haven't always delighted. I haven't always delighted in his instruction. How do I get it deep down into my heart to where I start to delight in it? And that's where the second part of this verse comes up, by meditating on it day and night. Now, meditation's been sort of the rage for, I don't know, years now. Um, I did a, a Google search on meditation videos, and I got 131 million hits in 0.39 seconds. Now, I didn't realize there was 131 million videos on meditation, but apparently there are, and it came in 0.39 seconds. Here's some of the titles. Um, Daily Calm. A 10-minute guide to clear your mind and start anew. 15-minute meditation to find peace in uncertain times. And I'm not dogging it whatsoever. I actually spent a year of my life meditating pretty much every day. And I had some benefits from it. Like I, was, I found myself to be pretty calm during that time. Um, I found myself to be a little bit more disciplined when I was pretty undisciplined in life altogether. But the thing is, is at the end of the day, that type of like... Eastern meditation that I'm talking about here, um, it was emptying my mind, and I actually felt like there was, I had emptied a lot more than that. There was something wanting, and I had this void in me that wanted to be filled. So when we talk about biblical meditation, it's actually the exact opposite of Eastern, where one is to empty, the biblical version is to fill your mind and your heart with God's word. So Richard Foster says on meditation, he says, through meditation, we are growing into what Thomas Akempis called a familiar friendship with Jesus. We are creating the emotional and spiritual space that allows God to construct within us an inner sanctuary of the heart. Here in this inner sanctuary, we learn to listen to God in his wondrous, terrible, gentle, loving, all-embracing silence. In Revelation 3.20 we are given the wonderful words of Jesus. Listen, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. These words were originally penned for believers, not unbelievers. You see, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart and my heart. He's longing to eat with us, to commune with us. He desires a perpetual Eucharistic feast in the inner sanctuary of the heart. Jesus is knocking, meditative prayer opens the door. It's interesting that Foster uses the term meditative prayer. Um, 
The word that's used in Psalm 1 for meditation is hagah. And it, it means to tell, to utter, or to mutter. So it's speaking out God's word slowly, deliberately, allowing it to sink into our hearts intentionally. Tim Keller says on meditation, he says, meditation allows the truths of the Bible to get down into your heart until it catches fire and you sense God's presence. Yeah. See, this is the treasure of meditation. It's that love story where it starts to move us and form us into the people that he's always intended for us to be, that we'd be a part of his story. Hearing his voice and that voice being the most influential voice in our lives, forming us into the people that he has always intended us to be and trusting him and seeing his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love as the Jesus Storybook Bible says. This is why the psalmist is calling us to meditate on the scriptures. It's an invitation into delighting in him. So what does this practically look like? Um, you could take a scripture or two and sit with it. You know, um, let it sink in. Speak to him about it. Ask him questions about it. Ultimately, be intentional with your time with him when you're sitting in it. Another way you could do it is uh, Tom preached about a year and a half ago on eat and speak. Um, eat being examine, abide, and taste. And speak, speaking about it. So sharing with other people the goodness of God and what he shared with you. If you want to know more about that, you could go onto the resources tab of the website and you'll find the message right there. But here's the thing. The blessed person is the person choosing God's voice as the primary voice that is influencing their formation. That's the blessed person. And here's the thing is, uh, God, that's what he's designed us for, that we would abide in him, that he'd be the one forming us. And that's a good thing. Like, he's so good, and he wants to. But we don't always allow him to. He wants us to eat from the tree of life and not from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. So there's actually a couple promises that happen here as well. One for the wicked, one for the blessed person. We're going to start with verse 3 here. This is talking about the blessed person. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. So the blessed person becomes like a tree, strong, established, weathering the seasons. When I think of this, I think of driving on 79 South from Awanga back to town. And right before you get to Vale Lake, off to the right, there's a clearing. And you can see where there's actually a stream that sort of flows back through there. And the only way you can see it is by the trees on either side of the stream. They're sticking up. They're, even in the middle of summer, they're green. They're lush. But everything else around it is like barren. It's all brush. It's, I mean, it's like kindling. It's ready to be lit on fire, ultimately. So when we look at that and we, we think about our lives, like those trees, everything goes through hard seasons. Like all of us. The last couple of years have been hard in one way or another for every person here, I'm sure. 
And the thing is, is it's not whether, if, uh, if, if we're gonna have a hard season, it's when we're gonna have a hard season. So what's the promise for the blessed person? Even in every season, they will be fruitful. The blessed person will be fruitful. John Golden Gay says, fruit and foliage balance each other. Fruit is what the tree lives for, but without foliage, there will be no fruit. At the center of the expression in season, hints at the fact that the fruit-bearing season is also the one that brings the most pressure. The summer season is both essential to the ripening of the fruit and also threatening because it may make the fruit and the foliage wither. See, an intentionally planted tree stays put. It puts its roots deep down so that way in the mild season it grows. In the, the harsh season it withstands. It's refreshed and it refreshes others. It weathers every storm, not because of its own ability, but because of what it's connected to. There's also another promise here, though. This one isn't so great. Verse 4, it says, The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Who's heard of threshing and winnowing before? Anyone? Okay, this is the process of how they, they separate the grain of wheat from the stalk. So essentially what they do is they just beat it, beat it up a whole bunch. And then you, you're left with a pile full of stuff. It's a mixture of the stuff that you want and the stuff you don't want. So what they do is as the wind is going by, they throw it up, the wheat, grain falls, you keep that, the rest of it blows away. This is the promise for the wicked. Tremper Longman III says, while the righteous are well-watered tree, are a well-watered tree, the wicked are like chaff. Chaff is the opposite of a tree. While a tree has an abundance of life-giving water, chaff is dry. The tree is deep-rooted and productive. Chaff has no connection to the earth, but rolls as the wind blows it, and it is useless. So here's the thing, I, um, I realize that this could probably be encouraging for some and discouraging for others, to be honest. But I see God's grace in the psalm for all. So for the first person, um, maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, uh, I, I'm totally digging, like I'm a tree that's planted by the water. I feel blessed right now. I feel like God is, like I'm experiencing him on a regular basis. Awesome, that's God's grace towards you. Um, there might be someone else where, this is actually probably where I feel like I am at times, um, is you ever see cartoons where the tree gets up and sort of walks away with their, on the roots and all that kind of stuff? I feel like that. Like there's times where I'm planted by the stream and there's other times where I'm walking around and I'm just trying to like live life in a different place, not connected to him. And then there's the other that maybe you're like, you know, actually my life is marked by wickedness. I've been doing life on my own way, my own terms, my own methods. So for that person, this is an opportunity to like turn towards him, to come back to him, to repent and trust Jesus. 
Okay, this is, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm just going to do it anyways. So um, imagine yourself in a time machine, like Back to the Future. I'm going to bring in the movies here for Herrick's sake. Um, imagine yourself in a, you're in a time machine, you go 30 years into the future. What does your life look like? What are you doing today that will influence what it looks like tomorrow? Do you even have a vision for your life in 30 years? Maybe some of us don't. But there is someone that does. God has a vision. He wants us to be connected to him, to trust him, to be eating from the tree of life, yeah? And there was one that actually lived this life perfectly, of Psalm 1, because none of us have. But one did, and that was Jesus. Jesus was the perfect tree. He was the refreshed and the refresher. And he's also the one that was a perfect tree that went and died on a tree for us to be able to be refreshed. He came to save us so we could be with him forever and ultimately be trees that refresh others as well. It's beautiful. See, it's through him that we get to experience the taste of heaven here and the realization of the new heaven and new earth in the future with him. As I've been reading through this psalm for a while, um, there's also another scripture that comes to mind for me that has been super encouraging. And it's from the end of Revelation. Revelation 22, verses one through five. This is what it says. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will, be no, long, there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Yeah, this is the picture, the connected life. So let me pray for us, guys. Jesus, thank you that, um, that you came. You came that you would uh, set us free from our own ways to allow us to be refreshed by you and refresh others. Thank you for uh, this morning and these people. Thank you for your love for them. Lord, we're grateful that we get to, uh, to praise you, the one that lived the perfect life, and that you're inviting us into this, that you truly desire for us to delight in you in your instruction, in your person. Lord, that, uh, yeah, that we get to experience more of you. And so I pray for each person here that, um, that this idea of delighting you would be something that you would set down into each person's heart, that they would desire to experience more of you, and that 
Ultimately, you would be the voice that is forming who they are becoming. So we thank you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mike. All right, guys. Um, beautiful, beautiful pitch by uh, Mikey. This is our time now, guys, to respond. Uh, this is what we call it. This is our response time. Um, the band is going to lead us in worship. Um, but as I was sitting there, I was thinking, um, just on what Mike was saying, uh, what hit me the most is, um, I guess, because I work with the youth, but the youth, um, I say this all the time. I just say, whatever you do today determines what you're going to be tomorrow. And it's true. It's what influence are we taking in. It's true for all of us. It's true for myself, and it's true for everyone sitting here today. Um, just like what Mikey said, I, I want to be that tree planted by the stream. So out comes living water, just rushing water. And I'm not sure where everybody is, <clears throat> but I know that you guys have an opportunity right now to actually receive him. And it's going to be trusted men and women right here for prayer. I just want to call up the prayer team. Um, they're going to be up there and they're trusted people and they would like to pray for you. But as you respond, I just want to, to, to think about a few things. Um, how are you delighting in Jesus? How are you delighting in him? How are you abiding in him? Are you opening that door so that he can sit with you and have a meal? Because honestly, guys, that is an intimate moment. Are we meditating on him day and night about his goodness? His desire is to be close to us. And our desire is to be close to him as well. I mean, if you're new here too, if you don't know who Jesus is, um, this is an opportunity too for you just to, to check it out, just to sit. So some of us are here and we're, we're delighting in Jesus, right? We're literally, we're, we're there and we're just soaking it in. This is your time to praise him. This is your response time to praise. Others, we need to get that prayer to get back into that delighting with Jesus. Um, and then also too when Mikey said just about the, the are we living on our own terms and our own methods um, myself I, I go back and forth just like what Mikey said about the tree it just comes up I can imagine that in the cartoons I watch cartoons all the time so I can imagine that in cartoons just running around all crazy um, but Jesus loves us so much so guys I just um, if you're able to stand you can stand and our, our band is going to lead us in a few songs our um, prayer team is right there if you need prayer. I encourage you guys. Um, the mature Christian gets prayer. They run over there because they know where their strength comes from. So enjoy Jesus. We have about, we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. So enjoy Jesus. Um, <laughs> what a beautiful song. What a beautiful time in um, worship with you guys in this gathering space. Um, beautiful message, Mikey. Um, I was thinking, I was sitting there, and um, sometimes as a Christian, I think, like, like when Mikey said that that scripture, when you open the door 
for Jesus and he'll come in and share a meal. Sometimes as a Christian, I feel like I have nothing prepared and I have to have it all together first and I have to make this splendid meal because Jesus is coming over. And I feel that sometimes in my life on day in and day out because I'm standing here in the need of grace and Jesus' mercy. But honestly, it doesn't say, you know, open a door and you better have a good meal for me. But it literally says, open a door and I will come and I will share a meal. And I just want you guys to go with that. Um, we need to be refreshed by the refresher, what Mikey said. Um, it's beautiful to know that we can come to him and we can get that. And it's just living water and it's continuous. So we still have a cool amount of time. Um, we're supposed to pick up the kids around 12. We can pick them up a little earlier. Um, if you got to jet out and get lunch and stuff like that, that's cool too. But I also want to encourage you guys um, to get prayer. To get prayer. Um, talk to someone. If you need to talk to someone and be encouraged and be filled up, um, Mikey will be here. Um, I'll be sitting here too for a little bit. But enjoy Jesus, guys, um, and enjoy each other. All right, let me pray for us. Um, yeah, Jesus, I just thank you. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. Um, it is the most beautiful thing when we can see each other worship a king that is worthy. Um, so let us pray, Father, that we take in these words and that we meditate um, not only on the scripture, but um, also how you use Mikey. Um, it was your words coming out of him. So let's just meditate on that beautiful, beautiful message. Let's meditate on your words. Um, let's carry this in through the week. And then let's use each other. Um, for we are a community centered around the gospel, centered around Jesus Christ. So I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Um, if you have kids, you can pick them up. Um, don't have to pick them up yet. You guys can chill, talk, get prayer, but please pick them up uh, at least by 11.45, 12 o'clock.